Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the invasion of Venezuela, or what at one point appeared to be an invasion of Venezuela. We've been, as everybody else, has been obsessed with coronavirus news and this incredibly depressing and serious health epidemic that's, that's hitting all, all of us all over the world. But we could not, we could not let go of our obsession with this story out of Venezuela of this kind of ragtag group of mercenaries and wannabe invaders who, who hatched this incredibly lame scheme, actually, to overthrow the government there. We were so obsessed that we had to spend just a little bit of time away from COVID to understand what in the world was happening here. I'm thrilled to be joined by Giancarlo Fiorella. He's an investigator and trainer for Latin America at Bellingcat. Hey, Giancarlo. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. First, tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about Bellingcat and how, how you guys work. Yeah, so Bellingcat is an open source digital investigation platform. And what that means is that we conduct research uh, that is based on information that is freely available to anybody uh, who has an internet connection. Right. Uh, so we spend a lot of time on, on Twitter and other social networks. We work with satellite images, and flight tracking platforms to uh, get to the bottom of uh, current events like this uh, failed invasion uh, of Venezuela. Yeah. Um, you're also a PhD candidate at the University of Toronto. What's your focus there? I'm doing research on protest policing in Venezuela, and I'm interested in the role that civilian pro-government militias have to play in that, uh, what are called in Venezuela, colectivos armados. Yeah. What's your, what's your connection to Venezuela? So I was uh, I was born there. Um, I grew up there, and I moved to Canada with my family when I was about twelve. So um, you know, throughout my teenage years and into adulthood, now I've always maintained a, an emotional connection to Venezuela. I have a lot of family who still lives there. We keep in touch all the time, and it's just something that's always been um, sort of at the forefront of my mind. So, did you first get wind of this whatever coup attempt? Um like the rest of us did with this Associated Press story? Yeah, so the Associated Press story from May 1st is the first um, time that a lot of pieces started to click together. Um, And I say that because there was some indication in March that there was a plan underway that involved training camps for uh, uh, expatriate Venezuelan soldiers in Colombia. And that has, some, that has to do with uh, a video statement that was published by a man called Cleaver Alcala, who was mm. indicted by the U.S. government in late March. And just before he handed himself over to the authorities in Colombia, he released a series of videos on, on Twitter saying, uh, you know, I just want to get the record straight. I'm not one of the bad guys. Um, actually, there's a contract uh, that involves North American handlers, and we're trying to get weapons into Venezuela so that we can liberate the country. And at that time, that video seemed really surreal and confusing, and nobody really knew too much what he was talking about. And, and it he's, in, he's in jail, right? He's currently, yeah, as far as I'm aware, he's currently in the United States. He turned himself into uh, the U.S. authorities, uh, I believe it was on March 26th. So he's, yeah, he's probably uh, he's awaiting trial, yeah. So he, he released a statement, which is kind of dumb. I mean, if you're going to do if you're going to try to overthrow a government, why would you tell them that you're doing that? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what that statement was about. And I, I think that what happened was that he thought uh, he has a very, uh, let's say, checkered past. 
in the history of Venezuela. Mm. Uh, and he's only relatively recently, let's say, switched sides to the opposition. Right. And I think he was probably, uh, he thought that he was sort of like in the clear, like he was working uh, on, on, on this side of the fence, we'll say. Um, and I think that when he was indicted, uh, he was probably caught by surprise. And I think that those videos that he released was him tr just trying to go on the record as saying, like, you know, like, why are you indicting me? Don't you remember? Right. Okay. I'm the guy who's helping you build the secret army to invade Venezuela and overthrow Maduro. Um, okay. uh, yeah. So hit for us the highlights of this May 1st AP story that then started you off on your own reporting on it. So um, on May 1st, there was a, an excellent report from the Associated Press, Joshua Goodman, who uh, wrote about um, Alcala's efforts. And, and he introduced into, he brought into light the involvement of this man named uh, Jordan Goudreau. Have you ever heard of him before? I had never heard of him, no. Okay. No, I hadn't heard of him. And so okay. that was the first time that I, that I heard about him. And he, again, there was indication that Alcala was up to something. And there was also a report on, on uh, Bloomberg uh, last year in March that uh, had uh, indicated that Alcala was building something like a mercenary army. So mm -hmm. there was hints that this was happening uh, with expatriate Venezuelan, uh, Venezuelan soldiers living in Colombia. But the May 1st report, as I said, introduced Goudreau into the equation. And suddenly, you know, we're talking about Green Berets and mercenary mm -hmm. uh, organizations. And... Um, you know, I, I read the report, I think, as a lot of people did, and I thought, okay, this is another in a long line of really sort of surreal, absurd stories of plans that are going on that, you know, at the time I thought, I really hoped, you know, I was really thankful that this hadn't gone through. This lasted until Sunday, uh, just the day after. And, and you were dubious, even though it ran an AP, which is which is pretty decent about these things. No, no, no. Let me. No, I wasn't dubious about it at all. I, uh, I, I totally. Uh, I, 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 I believed, uh, you know, that they had done right, right, okay. and everything. Yeah. Uh, what I didn't think was going to happen was that they were then going to launch the plot, uh, <laughs> because it seemed. I mean, you know, why after it's been revealed in the international press, would you then do it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, it, and also the tone of, you know, my impression having read the article is that, you know, this Goudreau guy was clearly, I think some of the phrasing in the article is that people described him as being like in way over his head, yeah. that he, you know, ultimately wasn't able to really convince anybody that he actually could do this, that the opposition was sort of like not really on board with it, right? So he seemed just like, a f you know somebody who had just like injected himself into the situation and and so that's what i meant when i said i you know i read the article and i thought oh thank goodness this was surely this is this you know would never have worked and thank goodness nobody was dumb enough to actually try to put it into effect and then the next thing we know are reports of of people being seized and like this boat yeah. coming over coming from colombia right yeah, so there was a, a, a press conference on Sunday morning uh, from the Venezuelan Minister of the Interior, and he said, uh, effectively, we have uh, ceased, uh, we've, so we've ceased a boat that was uh, coming from Colombia, and it was carrying, uh, the wording was terrorist mercenaries who oh. were trying to infiltrate the country and overthrow the government. And uh, that was on Sunday morning, very early. And obviously, I, I you know, when I heard that, I, I, I obviously immediately remembered the story from from friday from the ap um but i i wasn't i didn't believe that it was the the that plot that had been described in the ap story i, I thought that perhaps what the government what the venezuelan government was doing it was taking advantage of the publication yeah. of the story to you know to like mount some sort of uh like uh campaign against the opposition and say okay yeah. 
actually you did try to do it and all of these people are now going to be arrested so that's yeah. what i thought was happening in the very early morning of sunday because they they the, the maduro government is is pretty paranoid about this kind of stuff yeah and they've been saying for years that uh you know they've been blaming colombia in particular and the united states obviously for for everything from like uh, power outages to gasoline shortages and food shortages it's not at all uncommon for uh, Maduro and other high-ranking members of the government to to just blame Colombia and just say that there's this constant coup and plot and you know they're always you know plotting to destroy us. So that's been going on for years. And what often has happened is that there's never been any evidence to back any of that up. And so whatever, whatever happened, who who was behind that drone that attempted attack on Maduro uh, during one of his rallies? So that was, uh, as far as I know, that was this group of uh expatriate venezuelans who live yeah. now in colombia who are who are plotting to uh i guess had been plotting for years now to um you know potentially assassinate maduro or or have him removed from power so that community of expatriate venezuelans in colombia that's been around for for years now yeah uh and so you know th there's there's a lot of people on the ground there uh that are you know working towards uh overthrowing maduro and and and, and they've been there in colombia for for years now do these these people existed independent of Guaido, who is the opposition leader, who is yeah. seen by the Americans and other people as the rightful leader of Venezuela? Yes. Yeah, so um, there's been different migration waves out of Venezuela throughout, uh, we could say, the, Ch the Chavez and Maduro era. Um, some of the earliest ones were in 2002, for example, when um, Ch uh, Chavez cracked down on uh, dissent uh, in state-owned companies, in particular the uh, uh, state-owned oil company PDVSA. And so, uh, you know, ever since then, people have been leaving Venezuela, um, and you know, they've been settling in Colombia and in Miami uh, traditionally. Um, and and what you're getting, what you've been seeing for years now, has been the creation of these expatriate communities. And some of them, you know, they 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 were wealthy in Venezuela, or maybe uh -huh. they were politically connected, and and they've been around for years and years and years. Now that process has accelerated, I think, under Maduro, um, because the the socioeconomic collapse that he has presided over has, uh, you know, sparked what could be uh, one of the largest of the largest uh, migration. Um, you know, exodus uh, that's currently going on, right? We're talking about millions of Venezuelans who've left the country. Yeah. Um, and so some of them are really upset about what's happened in the country and they're, uh, you know, trying to do something yeah. about it. So this is the through line that is independent of, of any sort of opposition necessarily to Maduro. Yeah. I mean, the, the political, the opposition political situation in the country is, is a quite a complex one because, uh, you know, to say the opposition it usually means the faction that Guaido heads. Yeah. Uh, and for a while, he he did enjoy like really widespread support. Um, it was, certainly, that was the case when he first burst into the scene. Um, yeah. He became, uh, he, uh, he declared himself president and all that. Uh, but as time has gone on, um, he's lost uh, confidence, I think, uh, partially because that force with which he came onto the scene and it really looked like he was going to turn things around and he was going to really get Maduro out. Once those expectations, I think, began to dissipate, people started losing okay. uh, confidence in him. And so there are other factions of the opposition. For example, there's a there's like a, a, a pretty militant faction that, for example, would call for military intervention, like they would openly advocate for uh, you know, the United States or some sort of international force to intervene. And those are members of the opposition as well, right? So and I guess the, the term can mean either, you know, the official opposition is the Guaido's leadership, uh, but but it also means anybody who's opposed to the Maduro government, which is like 80% of the country. Yeah.
All right, so let's get back to the coup. <laughs> yeah. So you you, uh, you wrote a really uh, detailed piece for Bellingcat looking into Goudreau, this this guy who was the kind of leader, or maybe the leader of this effort that was in the AP story. Um, um, what did you find out about him? And is it your sense that he was the kind of ringleader of this effort? So we found out um, that he has this security company that was, again, reported in the AP piece. Um, but we did a little bit of digging and we found him in some C-SPAN footage from Trump rallies. Yeah. Um, and so it's obvious that he has been providing security at Trump rallies. Now, as we say in the article, it's, it, that it's in itself is not indication of any direct link with the White House uh, because Trump famously employs private security firms uh, for his own protection and at rallies. So we know uh, from C-SPAN footage and from promotional videos on, on, the, on the website that he has uh, provided these services. Now, can so, I ask you uh, just a matter of kind of processor? How did you find those? Did you do an image search? Yeah, so that's part of the article. Uh, I had some uh, help uh, from some of my colleagues. So what they did was one of them was able to identify um, uh, some, um, uh, I believe it was a mascot in one of the rallies uh, uh-huh. that belonged to, um, uh, it was connected to North Carolina. So he got the impression that that rally uh, that uh, was featured in a promotional video on the website was oh, from North Carolina, and so then and so one of the things that we uh, do at Bellingcat is that we we always sort of try to think laterally, right? So then we started thinking like, okay, if this rally took place in North Carolina, like where would you find footage of this rally? So you would go to YouTube, for example, because there's tons of footage from rallies there. Yeah, um, and then also C-SPAN, right? Because C-SPAN um, uh, records and and broadcasts this information for free, right? Yeah, and so it's just a matter of of picking up little hints. Yeah. Uh, and then pivoting to other sites and other sources of information uh, until you find, in this case, um, what you're looking for. So you you posted pictures of this guy in a suit with earpiece at Trump rallies. He's in the aisle. He's in the background. He's he's talking to people. Do we have any sense of like was he in any position of authority? And even was he even authorized there? Or do we know any of that? As far as we can see, uh, he he did work at this um, event as a security person, yeah. um, and it again that's not that's not particularly strange because again we know that Trump has hired private security firms, like yeah. for example, Silvercore USA, uh, to to provide security. So that so so as far as we can tell, he he really was there, sort of working security. Yeah. Um, but that again, we we don't know. I mean, to say that he was in a, in a position of leadership. Uh, Silver Core USA, yes, but we don't know. I mean, there's no no reason to believe that he was, you know, that he have e- ever even spoke to Trump or that he was ever, in, you know, in the same uh, yeah. close vicinity to, uh, to him outside of this official duty as a security guard, essentially. Yeah. What else did you find out about him? So um, based on just like looking at uh, his website very carefully, um, we could tell that he was somebody who was sort of very... Um, he had a lot of bravado, somebody who I guess thought probably thinks really highly of himself. And some of that, I mean, is backed up by the reporting again from, from Joshua Whitman from the Associated Press. Um, but um, in the interviews that he um, uh, uh, gave, um, 
after the uh, the failed raid on Sunday. So there's a video that he posted uh, on May the 3rd on Twitter where he's taking responsibility for this. And then uh, there's an interview that he did with a Venezuelan journalist where she asked him a lot of questions about like, okay, so like you're taking responsibility for this disaster. Uh, you know, what can you tell us about it? And And the moment that really stood out for me in that interview I mean, that's not fair to say. A lot of moments stood out for me in that interview because it was so <laughs> absurd. But one that really, I think, spoke, it really, I think, completed a picture in my head of who this guy was, was when this journalist asked him, okay, so let me get this straight. You have the like, mercenaries, all right, and you're going to invade Venezuela, okay, and they're in Colombia. So instead of just like walking across the border, which is 2,000 kilometers long and is like largely unguarded, you put them on boats and you have them cross like hundreds of kilometers of open water and then to do what so that they can get immediately you know detected by the venezuelan navy and intercepted what were you thinking and he says he replies he says are you familiar with alexander the great uh, the of Gag- and then he sort of starts talking about the battle of gagamela and i remember hearing that and just like taking my he- my headphones off and walking away from the computer because i was like okay this guy like, <laughs> he so he's alexander the great basically like that's what he's thinking he's like mounting this raid with a handful of guys and he's going to topple the government, and that's what he thinks is 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 going yeah. to happen. It's surreal, yeah. And where where what is his status now? So he's popped up in a couple of articles. Uh, I think the AP published another one uh, since Friday, where they cite him. And I, I I can't remember, but the Washington Post published uh, a contract uh, last night on an article about this, and I think he might have been cited there as well. So I. So I he's free. Uh, yeah, as far as we know, he's still in Florida. He did say in an interview that he was he wanted he said something like I I want nothing more than to be fighting on the ground with my men, and I'm trying to rectify that. He said uh-huh. this, so like <laughs> suggesting that he was I don't know like going to parachute into Venezuela. So he just sent them on a boat and said, "Yeah, good luck, dudes. I'm going to be in Florida." That's that's what it looks like. Yeah, and right. now he wants to be there, but uh, yeah, but that's what it looks like. Meantime, it's 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 actually you know we we're laughing at the absurdity of this, but yeah. there were some people killed yeah. in this in this thing, and there's yeah. people who were captured who who some of whom were his people, a couple of Americans among yeah. them. Yeah. They're in they're in custody and they're not in a good way. I wouldn't think. No, uh, so there's already been allegations that some of them have been tortured, and as he said, uh, um, at least that we know of, eight people have been killed. So that obviously is a is a tragedy, and um, and it you know. It, it's just another part of this absurd story. And and I think another sort of tragedy in, in, all, in all of this is that this is the, one of the darkest moments in the history of the Venezuelan opposition movement. And uh-huh. I think it's, service, it's really serving to strengthen Maduro. I mean, it's vindicating what he's been saying for years. I mean, he's going to have a, a blank check for the rest of his life to say, I told you that there was a coup from the United yeah. States and Colombia, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, this is possibly not just failed in terms of like casualties, people have died and are being tortured, but also it's probably strengthened Maduro and put him in a really powerful position now. So it's, it's, it's a tragedy on, on a bunch of levels. How is the Venezuelan domestic press covering this? So it's sort of a moment of reckoning, I think for a lot of, of the Venezuelan media. So first of all, there's been quite a bit of, this is just based on what I've observed on social media. It's quite a bit of, of what I would say is, is like infighting between people who are upset that these revelations are being brought to light. And I'm speaking specifically about the, the revel- like the, the, the contracts that were signed between uh, the opposition uh-huh. figures and Goudreau. So uh, I've heard comments from people saying like, look, you know, like we're all supposed to be 
you know, like, aren't we trying to overthrow the government? Like, Maduro's bad. We want him out. So by yeah. releasing this information and by reporting on this, you're actually, like, giving him like, more power. You're vindicating him. So it's, you're, you're, you know, you're causing him, uh, you know, you're putting him in a stronger position. Um, and and I think uh, it's, as I said, it's, it's a moment of, of reckoning in certain ways because um, the opposition is having to face this really dark moment that the Venezuelan media is reporting on. Yeah. Uh, so... And then there's the kind of like big, big question but in all this, which is, is there any evidence of any link between this sort of absurd half-baked effort and Trump and his team? I mean, um, we know that that at least when, when Steve Bannon was there, he had a lot of interest in Venezuela. We know that Stephen Miller has interest in Venezuela. Um we you you talked about this you know fairly slight connection with Kudro in the sense that he was a security guy at, at a couple of Trump rallies. But what do we know? And then what does your gut tell you about this? Yeah, so I would say that um, if if Bolton was still in the White House, uh, I would I would be a lot more like I would lean to thinking that maybe there was some kind of involvement. Uh -huh. I know that uh, uh, Secretary Pompeo said yesterday uh, that there was no, I think he said there was no direct involvement. And people yeah. are reading a lot into that, right? Yeah. Um, he also joked that, you know, if we had been, if, if there had been contact, like if we if we had done this, like it would have gone differently is what he says. Yeah. I, I tend to, I, I tend to believe that, I think. I, yeah. It just seems like it's such a bad, it, it was doomed to start from the beginning and it was clear to everybody that that was the case that this had no chance of working yeah and, and it's, so it's hard for me to believe that anybody in in a position of of power was would allow this to happen in this way i i don't know uh I, it's my gut my gut tells me that this is um somebody who's who drove who's taking advantage of um, a situation where he thought he could make a lot of money. Yeah. So again, there's th these large groups of people uh, who are in Colombia who are really eager to get back into the country and overthrow Maduro. They were already operating under the leadership of this uh, Cleaver Alcala person. And I think uh, he just got uh, excited about the prospect of like, I can, you know, I'm a Green Beret. I was a former Green Beret. I can train these guys how to do this. And I think he just saw himself really as an Alexander the Great figure, as a kind of a great leader who could who could actually do this. And I don't think that um, you need government involvement for that. I think it's, it's it comes down to sort of dilution and greed. At the yeah. End of the day. Yeah. Um, does it frustrate you that this is the story that's kind of riveting uh, the international press about Venezuela at the moment when there's so much else? terrible going on there, the fundamental going on there in terms of you know, the collapse of the economy and, yeah. and real civil rights abuses and whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, I, I, what would upset me is if people who are not familiar with what was happening in the country before Sunday uh -huh. would look at this and say, ah, oh, okay, so like, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys here? The good guys are Maduro and his government. Uh -huh. And the bad guys are these, you know, Silver Core and his and these people, and yeah. so like the good guys won, and that's good. And f like moving forward, I'm going to be cheering for the good guys, which is the government. So that is what upsets me. I I, ho I hope that people take this as an opportunity to learn more about what's happening in Venezuela, yeah. um, and to to understand uh, what the Maduro government has been doing, um, and uh, you know the systematic human rights violations and all of that. So 
So if that doesn't happen, if nobody learns any of that from all of this, I would be upset. But I, I, I hope that they do. Yeah. Giancarlo, this was great. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's, it's, totally, it's totally fascinating. And everybody should watch Bellingcat to see Giancarlo's work as it, as it proceeds on this. You can follow other media news going back to the coronavirus as well um, on CGR.org and how that's being covered and how it's affecting the news business, um, as well as our daily email newsletter, The Media Today. Thanks for listening. See you next week.